Majora's Mask, Chapter 34, Goat. You said you'd leave him alone! Link picked up his blade, still wet from its newly thawed ice prison. He slid the razor sword into his scabbard, drawing another fire arrow to thaw his shield. You promised you wouldn't hurt him, you liar! Get out of here! He returned his freed shield to his back and stowed his new bow away, too. Link eyed the dead wizro laying in a pool of blood before heading to the door. Get out of here! He remembered the horrible snapping sound. Link never even saw it happen. Suddenly, Navi had looked exactly like Tail after the Skull Kid killed him in that first cycle. Gone. Navi's gone. Just like Zelda. He stopped short of reaching the door. The shadow of so much grief was incomprehensible. Link could feel its presence, but it was simply a heavy, oppressive weight on his shoulders and behind his eyes. Nothing more. Why don't I feel sad? Why can't I be upset about Navi? Had he lost so much that death no longer pained him? He was thankful, on the one hand. It meant he could keep going. But on the other... When does it catch up? When do I just fall over and never get back up again? Not today, Link decided. He didn't have the luxury to think about it anymore. Tattle needs me, and Navi doesn't. Not anymore. Throughout his adventure, everything had slowly returned to him. Now, it was done. The broken stream of memories leading up to his arrival in Termina had been mended. But it had only brought more questions. What had happened while he was unconscious to send him to Termina? Had the re-dead faced creature thrown him in some pit? or sent him here with a spell? Or had the re-dead simply handed him off to the Skull Kid? Why did he remember the Skull Kid robbing him and chasing him into a hole instead? Why had the Imp and Fairies acted as if that was what happened? It was quite possible that was the real version, and the new one was a dream. But I doubt it. Ever since feeling the re-dead creature's grasp in Snowhead, the Skull Kid's robbery seemed more like an illusion that had overshadowed Navi's death. But why did I forget any of this to begin with? It doesn't make sense that I blocked out Zelda and Navi dying. Navi was the reason he left Hyrule, and Zelda was the reason he'd intended to come back. Both drove his entire adventure, and yet... They were gone before my adventure even started, Link thought grimly and none of that even touched on the identity of the re-dead creature. Why would it kidnap me in Hyrule and then tattle in Termina? Has it been working in other ways behind the scenes? Link's mind went to tail, and he wondered if somehow the evil being had been responsible for his disappearance too. There was no way for him to know for sure. He simply had to continue his mission freeing Snowhead and hopefully he'd find Tattle along the way. If not, he would return to Clocktown, where the masked salesman would ideally be under the tower. Link applied the Goron mask, lifted the door, and left the dead Wizro behind. 
The cylindrical room's immense presence once again commanded him. He rolled down the ramp and leapt to the other side, choosing the door he'd opted against last time. He was disappointed to find a dead end. The room was rather small and made entirely of rock. A large stone slab was in its center. It appeared ringed along the sides, and its top was bright yellow with a picture of a Goron curled into a ball. Link approached the slab curiously. It looks out of place with the rest of the room, he thought. Maybe it's a button that I can push. He placed one foot on top to watch it shift with his weight. At first, he feared the floor would simply fall out from underneath him, so he carefully put down the other foot, ready to roll away in an instant. The stone slab merely sank further, now almost level with the floor. He looked at the picture of the Goron rolled into a ball and thought he knew what came next. He sighed. One of these days, I'm going to get myself killed. He performed a Goron pound, driving the button to be level with the floor. The room shook violently, and Link stood only to stumble backward. The slab did not pop back up, but the shaking continued. He realized the entire building trembling, and not because of a moonquake. From this tiny room, he had no clue what was happening. All he knew was that the sound of stone grinding on stone was horrifying. Some ancient mechanism had activated after years of dormancy. Link quickly ran to the door and lifted it to re-enter the cylindrical room. Previously, all of Snowhead's ramps had ended just short of connecting. That space separating them was now occupied. He recalled the column on one of the lower floors, which had connected the ramps on that level. Goron pounding that button had caused the column to rise. It had surpassed his floor and blocked off the Wizrobe room, continuing upward. Link craned his head back to watch the column extend taller while the building shook. Eventually, the commotion stopped when the column reached its destination. Link stood for a moment longer, in awe of Snowhead Temple's mechanisms. He often forgot the engineering marvels Gorons were capable of. With the dust settled, the path ahead of him blocked, and the room behind him a dead end. Link wondered what came next. He noted the snowy ramp at his side and followed that again to reach a door he'd dismissed because of its icy barrier. He removed his mask, drew a fire arrow, and watched as ice turned to water. The fire ruined yet more ammunition. Link had taken inventory back in the room with the whiz robe to determine he had 14 arrows left. Mm, best use them wisely, he thought, preparing himself for at least one more battle. Link passed through the doorway and entered another dark cave inclining upward. Like the others, it wrapped around the cylindrical room from inside of its walls. Up Link went, passing several openings that now merely led to a ramp stopping abruptly at a wall of stone. The column blocked off all passage between floors until the top. Eventually, his hike ended. Link stepped out of the cave onto another ramp, and this one ended at what had once been the first floor's platform. Now it had risen to the top. Link walked onto its surface to view his options. There were two. One was a roofed walkway on his left, but it was filled with snow from top to bottom, making passage impossible. Opposite that one, Link saw a ramp that ended at a large staircase, which led up to an equally impressive door. The wall to the left of that ground door was composed of steel bars revealing its other side, a small room with a button similar to the one he'd pressed below but the only way to reach it would be to trudge through the snow-blocked walkway, which would take precious time he did not have. The temple ceiling was now the only thing above him. This high up, 
The walls were a brilliant white, save for the prison bars. It was much more well-lit than the rocky walls below. The gaps between the ramps revealed the sickening height of the temple. He traversed the entire thing. Vertically, at least. Since the left walkway was blocked, the path behind only led down, and there was no ramp leading to the bars. That meant only the grand door remained. It was surrounded by spikes of ice jutting outward, challenging any to enter. I bet I can guess what's on the other side of this, he thought. The door was heavier, darker, and thicker than any previous ones he'd opened. Opening it was a task fit only for Darmani. The dead hero's muscular arms returned as Link neared the impressive entryway. He shoved the door inward and pushed it slowly upward. He struggled with its weight, straining through every breath. He did not give up, finding the lip underneath and thrusting the door shakily above him. The door creaked and cracked, but eventually there was a space large enough for him to slip through. Link did just that, letting go of the door and stumbling to the other side. It slammed shut forcefully behind him. A heavy stone boom echoed through all of Snowhead Temple. A powerful gust of wind overwhelmed him. Link's hat flew off immediately. He tried to grab it, but his fingers barely missed as the pointed garment danced away along the room's curve. His white Goron hair stood on end as the strong breeze cut through his skin. The hero turned right to find its source. It was a goat. Or a bull. Or a horse. Or some combination of the three. It was made of metal with legs twice as tall as Darmani. It was tailless and it was gray and metallic everywhere except its head. While it was four-legged, its eyes, nose, and mouth were eerily person-like. Two massive horns curved forward on both sides of its head, and a long red chin jutted out. Its face was purple, its eyes were dull, and the mechanical monster was frozen solid. Its icy prison shone in the room's light. The extraordinarily massive creature didn't have a single leg free, so it had taken an immense amount of magic to cover the beast completely. Wind swirled around it, bellowing outward to fill the room from top to bottom and side to side. Link stood before it in awe. Even as a Goron, he was an ant compared to the goat bull horse machine. The room was appropriately sized for such a creature. It looked like a racing track. The room was made of dirt, ice, and snow, circling around the massive cylinder he'd just exited. The floor was uneven, with ramps and lips breaking its surface. Link eyed the monster warily, curling into a ball to examine the rest of the room. His sixth sense revealed that the door behind him was the only way out. The room merely went around in an empty circle, holding on to the beast and himself. He exited his ball and looked at the creature's face closely. A mask, Link realized, placed on a machine's face. He'd found the next monster harboring a giant spirit, and Tattle wasn't here. Link's heart sank. Deep down, I think I expected this, he thought. He felt increasingly used by Tail guiding him to Snowhead. It'd simply been an extremely effective form of distraction. Clocktown had been his best hope of finding her, but it was too late to leave Snowhead abandoned now. I'm not returning north again, Link decided. I'll finish this and head straight for the clock tower as fast as I can. Link looked the beast up and down, wondering how to free the sealed spirit. He couldn't reach the mask through the ice, 
and it was too tall anyways. I bet it'll come alive if I thaw it, he guessed. The ominous, bellowing wind promised danger, but there was nothing else he could do. Link hoped the fire would burn it, or that the ice had broken it long ago. He removed his mask, gasping when the green hat in his human form flew away too. Thankfully, he managed to grab that one, sighing with relief that he hadn't lost it forever. He stowed it and the Goron mask away as the wind tussled his blonde hair. It also filled the hole torn in his coat by the ice wolfos, stinging the cuts underneath. He unsheathed his bow and put an arrow back against the string. He willed fire to appear, and its tip crackled with life against the will of the wind. The red gem on the upper limb glowed brightly. Let's hope you're already dead, gigantic... uh... horse thing? Link said softly. G-O-H-T, he mused. Goat, then. But something tells me you're very much alive. He released the string, and the fire arrow cut sharply through the magical windstorm. The point drove straight through ice, quivering as the fire spread. The orange light danced and water fell. Link lowered the bow to his side. A mechanical groan escaped from the machine-deemed goat. The wind stopped, and Link's hair fell flat against his forehead. He saw his Goron form's green hat complete a lap around the room, drifting down without the current to land on the floor behind him. Silence replaced the storm. Then, clicking noises did, coming from within the goat-bull-horse-machine hybrid. The ice hadn't melted all the way, but Link's eyes were drawn away from the fire and ice when he saw its dead eyes come to life. The bright red orbs found him instantly. It released a terrible roar, sounding as bestial as it did mechanical. The ice that had not yet melted instead shattered, launching debris outward. Link's instinct to run came too late. Thankfully, the shards landed around him without impaling him, but they were the least of his worries when the massive beast started running on all fours. It only took three strides of its long, powerful legs, and then Goat was upon him. Link barely leapt free as the monster's black hooves dug up rock and ice with every step. Goat continued running regardless, thundering off around the room's bend with its clicking and humming just as loud. Link stood, watching as the mansion-sized creature disappeared from view. Of course, Link thought. You're so stupid, Link! Tattle would have exclaimed just beside him. Why the din did you set that beast free? Sometimes I wonder if our red choo-choo friend from Woodfall, may he rest in peace, should be the hero. Bubble Brain would have certainly made better decisions than you! Shut up, Tattle, Link said to himself, smiling as he drew his bow again. I'm almost done here, he thought. Then I'm coming for you next, Tattle. Just hold on. Link drew another arrow as he stepped onto the track. He pointed it in the opposite direction Goat had run, anticipating its return around the corner. The arrow's tip was alive with fire, ready to strike through the center of its face. When Goat appeared as expected, Link smiled. The battle with Odawa was hard, he thought. It's almost a little sad this one will be so easy. He released the arrow as the beast stomped toward him. Its angry red eyes stared at the arrow defiantly as its machinery whirred and clanked. Before his arrow could reach the beast's face, two beams of light traveled from its horn's tips. They created a ball of electricity sizzling before its face, and the arrow traveled directly into that, disintegrating before it struck anything. Then the electricity shot outward like a missile, aimed at Link. 
He had no time to react. Suddenly, light was everywhere, and Link flew off his feet as his body jolted painfully. He spiraled twice and landed on his stomach. His ears rang as he lifted his head, watching to see that Goat had not stopped running. Link still shook from the attack's aftermath, though he was unscathed otherwise. Feeling already returned to his legs, but not quickly enough to avoid Goat's continuous rampage, the beast thundered toward him as the hero noted his bag lying a few feet away. I can't stand, the hero thought, realizing it would take too long to recover. He crawled toward his bag instead, trying to ignore the monster mere strides away from reducing him into a bloody pulp. The hero reached inside for the Goron mask as the hooves came down to crush him. His transformation into Darmani was instantaneous, as was his decision to roll into a ball. The hoof landed on his protective, rocky barrier, sending him like a bullet through the air. Link crashed against the wall, rolling into the track behind Goat, who had continued running onward as if it hadn't missed. Link stood immediately, thankful that the electricity's phantom jolts were trapped in his human form. Goat stopped this time and turned to face him. Link also saw that his bag had survived the trampling, lying near where he'd collapsed. Din, he thought. It usually disappears with my human form. But he hadn't been touching it when he transformed, and now he risked losing all his possessions. Goat didn't pause for long. He trampled toward him again, head on. Link ran for his bag and threw it toward the door. A small alcove kept the entrance separate from the rest of the racetrack. Link then rolled into a ball and traveled as fast as his Goron body allowed. A blast of electricity barely missed him from behind. He didn't know if he could take another one of those and survive. Physical exhaustion fell like a hammer, again. Clearly, he'd worn out the small welcome his nap had offered. Each time he spun, he felt sick. His muscles were worn thin by the effort. Goat never tired, running as if it had an infinite pool of energy. Each dodge drained Link just a little bit more, bringing him lethally close to empty. He slowed down a fraction with every roll, and he could sense Goat's hooves drawing closer. Link's sixth sense had no way of tracking the magical attacks while they were airborne. Each impact with the ground surprised him, and they grew closer to nearing their target. When he felt a piece of the roof dislodge itself, the chaos tripled. Boulders rained from above, and one shattered just beside him. Its shockwave lifted him airborne for a few seconds, but thankfully, he avoided direct impact. The machine's rampage had created an unstable ceiling, and on top of the constant bombardment of missiles, he wouldn't latch much longer in this race. When a boulder landed right in front of him, Link crashed headfirst into it. He landed, sprawled on his stomach, and looked with wide, terrified Goron eyes to see Go only a few steps away. There was only one thing he could do. Link rolled straight toward the beast, hoping to miss its prancing legs. It was going too fast to stop, so Link barreled onward. He came inches from being trampled, but his Goron sense allowed him to roll out from underneath Goat unharmed. The robot ran right into the boulder, tripping over it and falling on its side. Goat made a resonating boom when it face-planted, and Link exited his ball to watch. He breathed in and out heavily, watching as Goat lay there motionlessly. Thank you. But his thanks came too soon. Goat struggled back to its feet, and its mechanical whirring were as loud as ever. No. 
Link breathed. He'd hardly caught his breath and already the beast was turned around, red eyes angrier than before. A thin string of smoke now rose from a crack in its neck, but the injury was minimal. Goat roared before charging again. Link went to take a step back, but not before he noticed a bomb arcing toward him. A small sphere had its fuse lit, sprung from an opening in the monster's back. Link rolled, and the bomb exploded behind him. Fire. Heat. Link was forcefully thrown upward, and the ground was unforgiving when he landed. Link staggered as he stood, realizing this was the third time he'd been blasted forcefully into the ground. His breaths were ragged, and even Darmani's strength waned. Goat wouldn't stop. It wouldn't relent, not even for a moment, because it was a machine. The alcove with his bag was not far behind him, and Link stumbled into it, collapsing to his knees. Goat ran up the alcove as well, but it was too big to fit inside. It roared as Link backed into the entrance's door, shooting two more beams of energy from its horns. Link rolled to the side, hardly having any room to maneuver in the small alcove as the missile missed. Link retrieved his bag and threw it over his shoulder as another electricity blast came down. His small Goron legs were barely quick enough, but the attack missed again nonetheless. Each breath was painful. Uh, I can't keep going. Soon, he would faint. Stop, please. But Goat did not stop. Instead, the machine threw its head into the wall, attempting to widen the alcove so it could fit in and trample Link. The hero panicked, running for the door. He pushed against it as hard as he could, but he was now too weak. He tried again and again, but it wouldn't budge. All the while, Goat savagely rammed itself into the alcove, trying to widen it, trying to get to him. He was trapped inside now, unable to get past the monster into the rest of the room. Link stopped and closed his eyes. He blocked out the noise of the machine and the falling rocks, calming himself to listen to the sound of his own breathing. For a moment, the world was just himself and his own heartbeat. He took in another relaxing breath. Relax. You can open it. Just relax. Find your strength. And he did. Link pushed the door inward and slid it upward. Goat, who had already widened the alcove significantly, paused itself. The machine ended its rampage, backed up, and dragged its hoof into the ground in preparation for a final charge. Then Goat ran for the door at full speed, just as Link slipped out of the room. Rocks shattered, and the entire alcove ceiling fell behind him. The monster did not stop. Link had exited the machine's chamber, but it came stumbling out as well, flinging rock and stone in all directions. Link half fell onto the stairs to get away from Goat, and the heavy stone door flew by his face, missing it by half an inch. Link didn't stop, running on his small Goron legs as the world became chaos behind him. He ran along the ramp toward the center column, which was still level with the top floor. He recalled how this ramp had been wider and grander than the others. This enabled Goat to fit and pursue him. The stone flying out from beneath its hooves was now the destroyed staircase, which would soon become the ramp. The shared bridge teetered dangerously beneath Goat's weight. Link wagered he could reach the column before the ramp collapsed, but Goat would too, and there wasn't room for both of them to stand on it. He saw one of the other paths available. The roofed walkway filled to the brim with snow. Link narrowed his eyes in determination as he rolled into a ball, crossed the decorative central column, and turned to enter the enclosed ramp. 
The bridge leading to Goat's lair, meanwhile, collapsed completely, just as the machine reached the column two. The ramp's chunks of stone fell the length of the cylindrical room, crashing into the rooms and bridges below. Link traveled at full speed into the enclosed walkway's debris, but the snow was too thick. Link only made it a quarter of the way through, and then he was stuck. The snow absorbed him effortlessly. Din, Link thought. His mind was suddenly blank with panic when he knew what came next. He stood tall and turned around to see the beast on the nearby central column. Goat was too large to come in after him. So, the monster jammed its horns into the open passage instead, shaking its head back and forth. Link was only inches away from the machine's face now, and he hugged his back against the snow boulders to get as far from its mouth as possible. Goat's strength strained to rip the entire walkway from the wall. Snow, stone, goron and all. The machine wasn't immediately successful, but it would be soon. As the bridge tilted to the right, Link's feet left the ground. He grabbed onto one of the sidebars before he fell to his death. The walkway continued to tear from the wall, the supports connecting the floor to the ceiling, which Link currently clung to for dear life, groaned as they started to snap too. He looked down the sickening fall awaiting him, the entire length of Snowhead Temple. Even if he landed on the next level's ramp, the impact would kill him, if not send him spiraling out to fall even more. Goat gave a final metallic roar as it created another electricity ball, despite its horn still being stuck in the passageway. The missile launched. Link slipped through the widening space between the bars so he was on the outside, still holding on for safety. The entire walkway's insides glowed, and when the magic faded, all the snow had been obliterated. The way to the door was now clear. The machine roared angrily, twisting the bridge in the other direction. As it turned, Link, whose arms had grown weary again, pulled himself back inside. He landed on the wet floor in a moment when it was level, but it wouldn't stay that way for long. Link rolled hastily to the doorway on the other side. Goat's horns twisted it this way and that, but Link made it as soon as Goat pulled the entire walkway clean off the wall. Goat removed its horns, and then the entire ramp, ceiling and all, fell the length of the temple, snapping in half as it crumpled on all the levels below. The entire temple shook as stone exploded on stone. Snowhead was a continuous roar of destruction as the machine added to the symphony with a shriek of its own. Link stood, watching from the new doorway, which now opened onto thin air. Without the walkway, Goat was separated from him by a rather large gap. It stood by itself on the column with only one ramp remaining, and that ramp was far too narrow for Goat to cross. The beast screamed in fury when it realized it could hardly move. There was barely standing room on the lone column. Link looked to see where his new doorway led. It was another dark cave, but instead of inclining up or down, it went to the left. Link realized it would eventually lead to the barred portion of the wall. Behind it was the button. The button that'll lower the column, Link realized. Another magic missile stole his attention. Link quickly ran into the enclosed darkness and the electricity crashed into the empty door. When the hero briefly thought himself safe, he heard a lit fuse fast approaching too. Din! Goat was launching live bombs again. They landed on the wall separating Link from the big room. The beast knew he was scurrying behind it. Boom! 
The first bomb obliterated the hallway behind him. Link kept running, his little legs far too small and his bag bouncing madly over his shoulder. Boom! The second bomb landed in front of him. Link was blown backward as it tore through the wall at his left. The hero quickly scrambled to his feet to note that the floor now contained an immense crater. It was too large for him to jump over as a Goron. Light spilled into the cave from the newly created opening as Link threw his bag from his shoulder and removed the mask. He caught the bag in midair after his transformation was complete, and Link ran at the hole with human legs. He landed safely and ran for his life, just as another explosion happened behind him. He could feel its heat on the back of his neck. How many bombs does Goat even have? He decided he didn't want to know the answer. One step after the other, one step after the other. Boom! Link managed to miss the initial burst of fire, but the ground beneath his feet was suddenly gone. He grabbed the cave's surviving ledge, pulling himself back up and putting on the Goron mask again. Without the hindrance of the bag, he rolled, and the next explosion landed far behind him. He passed into a portion of the cave where the left wall was replaced by steel bars, which meant he was now visible to Goat. Link stopped rolling as soon as he reached the button. He hardly paused to get on top of it and performed a Goron pound, but a bomb was already in the air, headed for the gate. The button activated in sync with the explosion. The entire room collapsed, sliding outward into emptiness. The thick stone slab controlling the central column was now a ruin, but the pillar had already been activated. It began its descent, with Goat on it. The monster roared again, lifting its hooves but unable to move anywhere as it traveled to the lower levels. The temple shook as the machinery worked hard to activate the elevator. Meanwhile, Link fell. His Goron hands grasped for something as stone and metal spun around him. He quickly approached a ramp on one of the lower floors. Link curled himself inward and rolled mid-air in the ramp's direction. When he landed, his momentum saved him from splatting as he zoomed along the bridge. He passed into another dark cave on the wall. Debris came crashing behind him, bringing down the ramp with it. Only half of it remained, jutting outward jaggedly. Link ran to its edge, looking up to see Goat slowly lowering to become near his level. Its red eyes were terrified, hooves with nowhere to go. It was trapped on the island, sinking toward an unknown fate. Link smiled, removing his mask and running along the passageway. It was the same continuous cave that wrapped around the chambers outside to eventually reach the top. As the hero ran, Goat released a continuous stream of bombs. Boom, boom, boom! None of them landed near Link, however. The monster was flinging them at random, unsure where its adversary had disappeared to. When Link reached the tunnel's end, he emerged on the top floor's one remaining ramp. He ran to its edge and looked down at Goat raging in place. Explosion after explosion wrecked havoc on the temple. And then the red eye spotted him from two floors below. The next bomb came right for him. Link stepped away from the ledge and the explosive barely missed his face. It crashed into the ceiling, dislodging even more debris. Link retrieved his bow and approached the ledge to aim an arrow at Goat. Another bomb quickly interrupted him, however, so Link released his attack before he got a good shot. The arrow missed, but thankfully the bomb also missed Link's face. It landed on the tangled mess of stone that had once been the entrance to Goat's lair. Link's second attempt was more successful, but it missed by a hair. All the while, Goat traveled further downward, its aim only got more difficult. But it's making my aim more difficult, too, Link thought, and Goat's third bomb was so close he could taste depth. 
I have to try something else. I only have ten hours left, and its mask is too hard to hit. Link approached the edge and this time aimed for the beast's back. He released the string just as the fourth bomb came out. The arrow drove itself straight into the lit explosive only inches from its source. The resulting explosion caused Goat's most horrifying scream yet. Its fear of death made Link wonder if the machine was actually alive. The blast launched its body from the pillar, the top of which had been blown off as well. Goat's mask left its head, landing on a nearby ramp as the body fell further. The machine, on fire and plummeting like the countless rocks around it, disappeared from view. Its final whir ended abruptly when magma enveloped Goat at the temple's base. Link released a victory sigh. He fell to his knees, catching his breath and watching as the truncated pillar kept descending. When it completed its journey far below, an eerie silence filled the temple. I... I did it, Link thought. Looking around at the now-demolished sacred place, he brought his hand up to wipe the sweat from his brow. It's done. His rest didn't last long. A white light unexpectedly floored over him. Link's hands went to protect his face, but its brilliance soon faded. Link was unaffected by it, and as he scooted toward the edge again, he remembered the same thing happening with Odawa's mask. Goats lay on the distant lower ramp, glowing blue and rotating. Link smiled. The curse is lifted, he realized. Spring has come to Snowhead again. For the first time in a while, warmth flooded his chest. <sighs> Victory. He savored it, no matter how brief the success would be. From his perch above, he noticed even more of the temple's ruin. Countless ramps were missing, and holes littered the once seamless walls of the cylindrical room. I wonder if there's even a way out anymore, Link wondered. Likely, it was obstructed by debris, though none of that mattered if he could reach Goat's remains. If it worked like Odawa, it would teleport him outside of the temple. Let's hope I'm long and gone before the Gorons realized I trashed their most sacred place. Link thought in amusement. But I'm halfway there. Only two more to go. Then the temple shook again. The hero knew it had nothing to do with Snowhead or Goat. He recognized the earthquake immediately. Tattle! But I'm so ugly. Just... Please stop talking. The Goron was quite irritated, staring ahead with his brow furrowed in annoyance. Darmani's tomb proved to be a great shelter, but the noises of the violent winter storm outside were ever-present. The two Gorons, who had once stood guard outside, were now both resting in a pool of hot spring water. It was in the room's center, no longer hidden beneath Darmani's grave. The warm water had long replaced the cold in their bodies, but they were still stuck. The delicious rocks, warm bath, and sturdy ceiling were unable to clear the passageway outside blocked with snow. See? Even you hate me! The other guard looked sadly at the warm water they bathed in, clearly overwhelmed with self-pity. For the millionth time, people don't hate you, the first guard replied, though he couldn't suppress his irritation. The other Gorons don't run in fear from you because of your ugliness. You're being ridiculous. So, people do run away from me? His eyes narrowed. That's not what I meant. 
I'm sure people are wondering where you are and miss you. Even if you were ugly, that doesn't mean they'd stop looking for us. So, do you think I'm attractive? The first Goron shifted uncomfortably in the hot spring water, turning away from his friend. Uh, sure. We really should just stop talking. We could spend the rest of our lives up here, and I'd like to spend some of those hours in silence. So, you do think my ugliness is going to stop them from ever finding us? The other Goron scoffed, rolling his eyes. I'm done talking to you. That's what everyone always says. I wonder why. Because I'm ugly? Yes. He sighed in defeat. Because you're ugly. The second Goron looked away sadly, but the other one didn't buy it. Maybe I would have been better freezing to death outside, he thought gloomily. His friend's emotional needs far surpassed his ability to meet them. Suddenly, a flash of white light filled the cave. Both Gorons gasped and covered their eyes, but it didn't last long, fading away to leave things as they were. They'd exchanged an uncertain glance. The flash had been blinding and came from nowhere. Hey, the wind! The self-deemed ugly Goron exclaimed. It took the first one a moment longer to realize what he meant. The wind had stopped. They rose from the hot spring water and walked toward the doorway, brimming with hope. When they passed outside, the nighttime sky was clear. A smile came to both of their faces when they stepped onto grass. The rocky cliff was no longer covered in ice. The gentle breeze was filled with warmth and smells the Gorons had long forgotten. The passageway, once blocked with snow, was now wet but empty. The way off the cliff was open. Spring! It's here! His ugly friend was on the verge of laughter himself. Then that really was Darmani! I told you, he did save us! He looked onto the ledge where the Goron hero and fairy had stood the day before. I'm glad we trusted you, he thought. We must get back to the village. There will be a feast tonight. Gorbis's eyes opened to the sound of cheering. His son's calls for help faded with his dream. The image of that purple lightning did too, which had cut across the sky, changing his life forever and ending another. He wiped a tear away, turning over in his bed. Somehow, his hut seemed brighter than usual, and the voices outside were brighter still. He did it! He did it! We're saved! He looked to the curtain separating him from the outside world. The wind hardly stirred it. He threw the covers off and half stumbled toward it. He stepped through the doorway and his senses were overwhelmed. Warmth. The Korans around him danced joyously. Families cheered hand in hand as they laughed. All of them headed around the line of houses toward the shrine. Gorbis, meanwhile, stood in awe. The dirt felt safe beneath his feet. A patch of grass brushed against his toes. The cliff marking the end of Goron village was just before him. Distant mountain ranges stretched on for miles. The very tops were still covered in snow, but other colors, for the first time in what seemed forever, were visible. The green valleys, the forests and flowers, the joy of spring of life. Rebirth. He stepped closer to the edge, almost shaking as he beheld the miracle. Dad, I want to see the flowers again. 
why don't the blue tulips grow anymore? I always liked those. His son's voice, so young and sweet, seemed clearer in his head than ever before. <laughs> you will, son, he said, looking down to see a small blue flower growing in a patch of grass. The nighttime sky was brilliant, the stars brimmed with life beaming from the cloudless world above to oversee the Goron's joy. The sky was streaked with red, a purplish glow radiating above Snowhead. Gorbis bent down, gently plucking the flower. A tear trickled along his face as he beheld its beautiful petals. I love you, Daddy. His eyes had been the same color. He'd never gotten old enough for them to darken. Darmani! Darmani saved us! The Goron hero returned! It's over! It's over! The people's voices rang proudly, but Gorbis knew that Darmani had not been their hero. He remembered what he'd said to the boy who'd saved his life twice, whose name he did not even know. I want to trust you. Maybe, now that I have nothing left, it is easier to trust something strange. But I want to believe that all hope is not lost. I'm supposed to do this, the boy had said in response. Darmani and I, we can end this curse and give you a reason to live again. Gorbis smiled. <laughs> Thank you, he said. <laughs> Thank you. He laughed, standing at the edge of the cliff overlooking Snowhead's long-awaited spring. You gave me hope. Thank you. <laughs> and so, he wept, while Clocktown's bells echoed across the land, foretelling doom to all. Their ringing fell on deaf ears, celebrating spring's brief return, as the moon came to destroy them.